This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, located in scenic downtown Benson. They got a new location. It's absolutely gorgeous. Check it out. And by listeners like you, go to Patreon backslash Two-Headed Nerd. Become a patron. Support this show. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha in caverns hidden deep below the metro area where our ninja hordes plan for nuclear war. It's our pleasure to welcome you to the episode 731 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. I'm your head number one, the internet's Joe Patrick. And I'm your head number two, my name is Matt Baum. I have no idea what these plans are and it seems like something I would have come up with, so maybe we should talk. It's the end of light and life and flesh. <laughs> Right now, it's time for another Back Issue show, and this time, we reassemble the Slack Issues crew for a special two-part show to read and discuss a classic comic series both Joe and I skipped for really lame reasons. I thought there might be a really good there. reasons. We just skipped it. <laughs> no, I never knew it existed until after it was out. We are finally reading the Frank Miller and Bill Sienkiewicz classic, Elektra Assassin. I mean, you've been aware of it. For more than 30 years. <laughs> well, sure, but it's not like I skipped it on purpose. Like, you know, the quick shop on 48th and Q doesn't get Electra Assassin. That's okay? fair. That's fair. After that, we'll set you up with our must-read picks for next week's new comics. But now, prepare to be confounded by ninja magic and revolted by rotten mayo. To be clear, it only smells like rotten mayo. But it's back issue review time in the ziggurat. It might taste like it, too. Nobody looks like they enjoy it when they drink it. <laughs> they well, go, they definitely don't like it. They now. go, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's bad stuff. They never read it when this classic story. It's like issues with Joe and Matt. Oh, yeah. Frank Miller was at the height of his power after Daredevil Born Again was a hit in 1985. And then in 86... He wrote a little book you might know about called Batman The Dark Knight Returns. Can't say I've ever read it. It was a massive hit, and it followed that up with Electra Assassin with artist Bill Stankiewicz, which was serialized from... Now, hold on. I know you know how to say his name. <laughs> I know. Stankiewicz. <laughs> which was serialized from 86 to 87. So this came out, literally started the same year as The Dark Knight Returns, which kind of blows my mind. Sure. This was for their adult line, Epic Comics, he would return to DC for another legendary Batman story, Batman Year One in 1987. And all but one of these series would go on to become massive tentpole stories for the characters that continue to sell as legendary reprints today. Daredevil's even getting a TV series based on Miller's story at Disney+. Elements of Miller's Batman stories have been used in every Batman movie, but Elektra Assassin never got to celebrate that same kind of legendary status outside of, you know, creators and diehard nerds. While it's not important. Because it's Elektra. I guess. Because it's not Batman or Daredevil, it's Elektra. While it's but not. she's a sexy well, ninja, We'll baby. talk about that later. <laughs> While it's not impossible to find, Elektra Assassin wasn't the same blockbuster hit in the 80s as Miller's Daredevil or Bat stories. And today, it's all but disappeared. So... The Slack Issues crew assembles to discuss Miller and Sienkiewicz's Electra epic, no pun intended, and try to figure out why didn't this click with fans? I don't get it, but we'll get there. We'll talk about it. 
we'll have our chance to theorize. Speaking of the crew, today we are joined by our friend, Dungeon Master, and host of the upcoming Swords and Scrolls podcast, Mr. Jared Woolly Toots Savitas. You have been warned, he has been day drinking. Welcome aboard, Jared. Hey, we man. hope you survive the experience. Me too. But hey, man, if I'm anything like uh, the ugly man, I'll get through it. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah, you will, buddy. Yeah, you'll get through it. You'll tank your way through this one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> before we get into it, Matt and I have not read this before. Jared, was this also your first read of Electra Assassin? Uh, yes, it is. Oh, so um, we're all virgins. I thought maybe you had read this. Yep. No, I I had. Okay, so I think my senior year, I got the Electra Saga book, um, which. You know, which I didn't realize until you guys did your Valentine's and you did that first episode with Electra. And I was like, I don't think I have that. And then I remembered I had this book and and then I was Daredevil like, one, okay, Daredevil yeah. 168. Yeah. First experience but, by Electra. Yeah. But then Frank Miller went back and it stretched that story out and mm-hmm. added pages to it. Yeah. And they did like these larger issues called Electra Saga. It was four issues long. And it was reprints of those Daredevil stories with added pages. Right. It was more chronological-type origin, right? And, but also minus all the stuff that wasn't about Elektra. Yes. Yes, exactly. So it's it was, essentially yes. a Cliff's Notes version of Elektra's history up to that point. And don't forget yeah. about a and, great way to mar- for Marvel to sell you something twice. <laughs> and like, like Matt <laughs> said on your Valentine episode, too, she is so, you know, like she's... She's not a ruthless killer in the beginning. No. But then, like, by the third issue of this Electra saga, like, right before the crap with um, Bullseye, it goes super dark then. Yeah. Miller made a choice. Leading up to that, she's, like, fighting the hand and killing ninjas that turn into smoke or come back to life, and it doesn't really matter. Right, right. But then, then the switch flips, and it gets dark and deadly, and and... And then shortly after that, I saw that. Um, now wait, big did that saga cover Electra lives? The Electra saga did that come out before this? Um, I think it was I after. I want to say it probably did, dude. Because hold on, we better check the. We're all googling furiously. Oh, eighty-three was the first issue. Now was that? Yeah, the Electra saga. Eighty-three was the release date. Cover date, so it, it came out, it, like, so it ended after her, after her departure from Daredevil, where right. she's, like, presumed dead, or maybe she's not dead. Well, That's did, the end of Electra Saga. Okay. When did Electra Lives come out? Electra Lives, again, was a graphic novel that came out um, far enough past Electra Assassin, uh, far enough past uh, Electra Saga that Frank Miller was drawing in his Sin City weirdo style. Yeah, 1990. Um, Electra Lives Again was a gorgeous book, dude. 1990. So it was a, a it was gorgeous a, book. It was three awesome. years after this Electra Assassin, basically. Okay. So I, I read a little bit, and I, I may I may be remembering slightly incorrectly, um, but I believe the story goes that Miller wanted to tell the story of Electra's resurrection, but he wasn't prepared to do so for whatever reason. In the mainstream comics, she comes back in the fall from grace storyline 
a very famous Daredevil storyline from the nineties. It's by DG Chichester and Scott McDaniel. Yeah. It's the, it's the debut of the black uh, armor <laughs> Daredevil. Oh boy. But, um, it, it's, it's pretty well regarded. I have not read the whole storyline. It did come out at peak nineties though. Um, Electra comes back for the first time in, in like flesh and blood form in that comic, as far as like the main comics are concerned. So Electra lives again was like this big beefy, graphic novel so yeah. it was kind of yeah. it was a totally separate thing you, some might even say that you can judge it separately from continuity because I, it's i feel Frank the Milton same way about i feel the same way about electra assassin like we're gonna get yeah. so disconnected electra assassin I, I think is i think marvel chooses bits and pieces of electra assassin to definitely count and we'll talk about it but real quick and we, we will do, because i have things to say about some of the characters that appear in this let's talk about epic real quick jared like, and just a short like you brought up a couple notes what was epic it was like their adult line in the 80s right well okay so in 82 i believe i think from 82 to 86 epic illustrated was a magazine that marvel put out to compete against heavy metal okay and so it had those type of stories i mean isn't where epic isn't that where we got like some crazy Hulk stories and wasn't there like, um, well, Marvel's got introduced an epic, didn't they? Marvel like, had a magazine line already in the seventies that put out the rampaging Hulk. But that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was an epic. Um, so epic illustrated what, you know, was one of those, but there were all, there was also an epic comics comic book line. That yeah. Put out that's like fun out of epic. Steel grip Starkey. You know? Yeah, dude. Dread star yeah. was in there. Yeah. Star, yeah, yeah, so Epic Alien Legion Epic huh? Comics. <laughs> yep, yep. The Epic Comics pretty much replaced Epic Illustrated because that clothes they, they folded that in. And then they started the comic line and they started doing adult more adult stuff in comic book form. And it was really Matt, Matt called it their form. adult Matt called it their adult line, which is maybe a little bit well, I mean, they it were implies a little bit more than, than we might want. They were to. allowed to do adult themes. Now, like, honestly, it was it all was mature readers. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. And it was all for the most part, like creator owned stuff. Cadillacs and dinosaurs came out of here. Dreadstar, like we talked about. They licensed like Hellraiser. But the only really Marvel stuff they did was Electra. There was an Iron Man crash book. I think that's it. Uh, I remember like St. George and Powerline. That was like the big epic kind of crossover yeah. almost. Wild Cards was in there. Huh? Weirdo yeah, Wild, Wild Cards. There was a prestige format, like square bound Wild Card series that came out. During All that right. Time. Enough the of this. Swords of the Swashbucklers in there. Oh yeah. That was like the Puss in Boots story with like the cat with the sword. But let's talk about Electro Assassin. We've never read it. This is crazy. I oh. thought at least you were the first one. I found out I have a hardcover of this that I've never read. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, so to finish my, before we get into it, to finish my thought from before, Frank wasn't ready to do Electra's resurrection story. And so they, he did this eight issue epic miniseries that is like this nebulous, you know, like it could take place before her death for all we know, you know. Fair enough. It doesn't necessarily take place at any specific time. So we'll kind of roll through these issues, discuss them. I've got a little setup that I wrote, and then we each took some notes we can talk about. But we start with Electra Assassin, number one, from Marvel Epic, 1986. Now, here's how you know it's not as hot as those other stories, because in CGC 9.8 condition, go. you can pick it up for 100 bucks. You can Here get this we go. whole collection, near mint, 
fifteen dollars. <laughs> it's crazy. Where, where did this where did this pricing obsession come from? All of a it's sudden, nuts. with this show. Oh, people want to talk about. I don't know. Too. It's fun. What do you mean the whole? Don't give me that whole set selling for 15, 20 bucks. That's an outlier and you know it. No, it isn't. I looked a bunch of them were selling for 15 to $20. No lie. Really? I think there's Then plenty. why are we even talking about the the prices for the rest of the I'm price. just trying to frame how not <laughs> huge this is compared to going to buy originals of, say, Return of the Dark Knight or Born Again or whatever. We're comparing and contrasting. This is written by Frank Miller, cover and art by Bill Sunkevich, letters by Jim Novak, and that will be true for all the issues, except for the very last one, where we get a new letterer for some reason, and I don't know why. Here's how we start. Electra is in a mental hospital, recounting her origin, starting with her parents' murder from there, and moves through her training under Stick, her meeting Matt Murdock, and later on, joining the hand. This is sort of... Uh, She's not in a good place right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> Electra, yeah, it's true. I would call her an unreliable narrator at this point. Yes, that's is, true for almost the entire run. book. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is until what? Well, yeah, it I, does get more clear. It gets. I, more I will clear. say that the last several issues are pretty much straightforward. It gets because more, that's when the that's when the reports start. Yes, that's my yeah. point. It only gets more clear when other characters are like, "Oh shit." This is what was going on. Yeah, we need to have characters <laughs> yeah. in the comic book figure out what is happening in the comic book to tell you what is happening. Exactly. In the comic book. Exactly. Yeah. And it, like precisely, Electra is. We're in her head, and we're seeing the art like this crazy, insane mixed media stuff with like crayons and cutout cardboard and stuff, and it's it's Sienkiewicz doing comics like no one has seen before at this point in the 80s no one has done this some of it looks very vertigo to me and i find it hard to believe this didn't influence some of your favorite vertigo artists like dave mckean and shit like that when we get to the asylum scenes because it goes from like this very bright almost pop art colored playful stuff to nightmare nightmare in the asylum absolutely terrifying (laughs) So time jumps all over the place in this, and we're going to touch on that because yeah. Matt took some notes that I, ha- I have a response to because of the way the time is working. But yeah, it's like there's a, 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 a what looks like a painting, uh, a portrait of a person, and then, oh, I guess it's her dad. Yeah. And then it's he's got like teardrops drawn on his portrait, like with a ballpoint pen. Right. It's that sort of thing. Like she's adding stuff to her happy memories and whatnot. And then it's cutting back and forth. The asylum, she's getting sprayed with water. There's a bunch of other women there. And then it goes back to like really vivid training scenes. Some of which are just like, I don't know, they look like cut out paper almost. Like it's incredible. I mean, they're bright. They're bright childhood memories right no i'm talking about like when she's training under stick and stuff. no i know i'm looking yeah. at them it, yeah. it's yeah it's kind of a it's a very like uh i mean it's yes and no like the one panel there's one panel that looks like cutouts and then one panel that's just as vibrant but it's clearly rendered with right you know a pen or a brush or whatever he's just all over the place it, and he is not scared yeah. to do it it's it's crazy it's the crazy the switching of styles is insane yeah um, and that's what I noticed right away. And I, w- I want to say it was probably halfway through the series was I, where I was like, this looks like, it looks like Simon Beasley. Like, so, some of it. Yeah, definitely. With how like 
extreme proportioned characters get and with mm. goofy, yeah. crazy hair. Like Kevin O'Neill as well. Like yeah. martial law does, kind of like, like Judge Dredd. Right. It's, in, it's, in, it's, 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 it's a feast. It's bonkers. <laughs> a, a visual feast. Yeah, absolutely, Toots. Um, so, Matt, I want to touch on something you put in your notes, but uh, and forgive me if you were about to say it, but... No. Uh, so, so during Electra's kind of memories, um, it's very, very strongly implied that she was molested by her dad. Yeah. But then it says that therapy and memory regression, et cetera, et cetera, have proven those memories to be false. Right. But the doubt is still there. So we don't know if it's true or not. So we're not even sure if Electra's memories, like she's an unreliable narrator even to herself. Yeah, we can't trust her at all. But I mean, like we see this issue, this issue is messing with you and they kind of tell you more what's going on next issue and we'll get into it. But like when she goes and trains with the hand, they basically completely mess with her. Well, not the hand, the, the chased or whatever, the sticks, good guys. No, no, no. I'm talking about, she goes to the hand. She goes to the hand and trains in this too. And they, she drinks the milk and she sees the beast and everything. Oh, wait. Yeah. Maybe I forgot about that. Yeah. I've got all these. Doesn't she drink the milk? Doesn't she drink the milk? She drinks the milk. The milk when of the beast. The rotten the end, mayo when she's milk. Trying to, oh, no. They, they forced the milk on her. Yeah. They, they like, forced the milk on her. Right. They forced the milk. The in beast. the asylum, though, right? Or no. 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 It's she's mixed, flashing mixed back. those asylum scenes. They're mixed happening in, at the yeah. same time. They're overlapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of her flashbacks. And, like, the beast, like, you see the picture of her dad crying, and the beast is standing over her as he's pouring the milk on her and stuff. So we don't know. Is this what messed her up? Is this partially what's screwing up her memories and everything and like makes her milk. a complete psychopath? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but we can't trust her. Okay. Yeah. She was captured by the hand yeah. and then turned by the hand. Right. See, but the, the milk of the beast. Again, again, Miller can't help, but like screw around with what he already did. Yeah. And yeah, like, absolutely. Go back and flip it all around and absolutely. mess it up. So like, that's why I feel like this is, separate and aside from shield there's no other marvel presence hero wise not at all so it's like Mm -hmm. to me it just feels so i think it is a capsule i think it is and i think like what joe said they really take parts of because like one thing that happens okay so in this issue part of it is we see how electra got to the asylum she assassinated this guy that she was sent to kill, right? Huevos Rancheros. Right. <laughs> His name is Huevos, you know? <laughs> Carlos, Carlos Huevos. And ends up in the asylum afterwards because they were basically like, they wrote her off, she got caught, you know, forget it. She doesn't work for anybody. We don't know who she is and we can't ever connect it. It's only there when her memory starts to come back that she starts to connect. Oh yeah, after I killed this guy and went to this funeral and I found out this dude's not the bad guy that I thought he was. This other dude that works for the United States government, Reich, the ambassador. The ambassador, yeah. He is the bad guy, right? Possessed, possessed by the beast. He's possessed by the beast. The same, he's got the same milk on the table and everything. And we see her like fighting with the beast and it's scratching her. But the doctors have told her, no, you mutilated yourself and stuff. None of that's real. So we don't really know anything that's going on yet. Well, I, I think that what I think that what we can assume is true is that after the funeral, she goes to track down the ambassador to kill the ambassador who yeah. is clearly evil, and that is where she is attacked by the actual beast. 
And that is when she's captured and thrown in the asylum. Yes. So everything in the asylum up to this point, she has been remembering out of order. Right. She's all jacked up. The milk's got her. So. She's all jacked up. So we, before we move to issue two, the cover of this one, is this the first great big gun in comics? <laughs> I doubt it. Is it? Well, I don't know, her, dude. Like- like 90s, like gigantic Rob Leefield gun. Cause he would have been right around the, the right age to look at that cover and go, fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe. It certainly is a big gun. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, you can't, you can't deny. I don't know. But yeah, I like that we see, you know, bits and pieces of her origin that we already saw from like Daredevil 168, like she meets Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. There's no mention of him as Daredevil, though. No, just Matt. No, no, just a just brief flash of, of like how like she misses Matt, you know, whatever. Yeah, we never and see Daredevil at all. We see Matt no, a few times Matt. in this in mm-hmm, the story, but mm-hmm. that's it. And yeah, and so at the end of this issue, she escapes. She escapes from the mental hospital in San Concepcion. No, on the subject oh, of okay. the big gun and Electra on the cover, like one of the most amazing Bill Stankiewicz's cover of all time. Like I had a poster of this for a while when I was younger, super sexy. That is Amanda Connor posing for Bill Stankiewicz. Well, I don't know if she was posing, but she was, she was the, she was used as she said reference for Electros. she yeah, posed for as a reference model for a lot of these. And she did the same for painkiller Jane, I guess, which, okay. Well, that tracks because Jimmy Palmiotti worked on painkiller. I yeah, suppose. Right. Yeah. yeah. So issue two, Titled The Ugly Man. On the cover, we've got John Garrett, shield agent, cigarette chomping, racist, pervert, beer swilling, cyborg. <laughs> so at this point in the story, Not when we he first just, meet him. Yeah. yeah. At well, this point in the story, all he has is a bionic hand. He also they, they well, do. He's also got a, a a space in his head where he can put a recorder. I think that's later. No, that's not later. That's here. When we first meet him, he's taking his hair oh, off. Oh, because his head is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, they put his head on the, So Because yeah. he's already this group Tech Ops X, which looks like Tech Chops every time I read it, but it's X Tech Ops. It's X Tech Ops, yeah, yeah which is a mouthful. He works for them. Which and they're, is dumb. They're sort of, they work as a division of S.H.I.E.L.D., supplying them with these cyborgs, and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s like, great, keep up the good work. There's some other stuff. And little blue there. dwarves. <laughs> well, we'll oh, get don't there. Don't forget the dwarves. We'll yeah. get there. Tiny dwarves. Yeah. They're, They're all around. This They're is the first around. appearance of John They're Garrett like from S.H.I.E.L.D., who I don't think we never see this character again, right? John Garrett's Yes, we do. Oh, we do we? We see him many, 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 many times. Okay, yes. I don't remember him. Yep. Garrett. Uh, he also comes back. He also comes back during Fall from Grace. And then- Oh, that's right. Uh, after, after that, he uh, makes a, uh, like, Tony Stark thinks about recruiting him for the 50 state initiative. Like he, because he is reinstated as a shield agent in good standing. So okay. I guess he Does stops he, being so scuzzy. What's he look like? Does he look like this or does he look like, well, probably Chris. not like this. Not no. quite like this. No, he's not the fat um, cyborg that they made. I, I, for some I'd reason. say probably, you know, beard and stash is probably the most we get. Uh, but uh, he's also a recurring character in secret warriors. By Jonathan. Hickman. Oh, that's right. He was. Well, I totally forgot. Yeah. Here he's stationed in Central America, wants to get the hell out. We meet his partner and fellow cyborg, Perry, while the two are investigating Huevos' death. 
Garrett, who we should mention, he was like the El Presidente of this San Concepcion. Garrett thinks he's tracking yeah. Electra because they're, they're, they're beating up this junkie. And they're like, tell us who killed Huevos. And the junkie's like, she was like death. She was terrifying. And so he's like, we got to track this girl, right? But we quickly find out Electra is totally tracking him. And she kills the hell out of his partner. <laughs> and she blows Garrett to bits in the end of this, but doesn't quite kill it. Garrett sort of becomes your reliable narrator in this part, but we sort of. slowly find out that Garrett's story is completely incorrect. Now, this is the issue, and I want to talk about this, where we see Electra full-on use powers. She stops a bullet with her mind. She puts telepathic mind whammies on people and stuff. I don't recall any of this. She does so like mind possession. She can like uh, take control of a person's yeah. body, like swap yeah. minds. Yeah. So I looked it up, and and so telekinesis isn't. I, I think she stopped the bullet with her ninja skills, but she does it with her hand. Yeah, with her ninja skills. I think she catches the <laughs> bullet with her ninja skills. <laughs> okay, because she's fast and furious like an ninja. That's some Remo Williams bullshit. Yeah, it really yeah, is. Right. Yeah, sure. She's tapped into the the power of the. Uh, Kali Yuga or whatever the hell he was Shiva the destroyer Kali Yuga <laughs> uh, and so I, I looked it up she she is listed as having the ability to confound people and make them see things that aren't there not quite like illusion casting but making them think they're seeing things right she's able to like cast her mind into other bodies oh, and yeah. do like mind swap kind of stuff. So she's got these mental abilities that I don't think I've ever seen her use. And I'm not like, she's not like a ever. mutant or anything. I think this is just straight up ninja magic. Ninja magic. She's baby. got ninja magic and the milk from the beast. Just like when we saw with the Punisher in Jason Aaron's book, the beast empowered the Punisher and he could fly and he had like red flame glowing around him and stuff. And he could go toe to toe with Ares, who was a God. So it's like evil ninja magic. So we're, we're thinking that the beast and Aaron's beast are probably the same. Beast. Gotta be. I, I guess the beast is like the God of the hand. Yeah. It's right? gotta the be. Demon Lord of the hand. And he wants, that's to what I was wondering. I was like, what the hell is this thing? It's got to be, it's that beast that they talk about that wants to bring about the grand slaughter and all this stuff. We'll get to the beast plan here, but it has to yeah, be I the same Yeah, I got something one. to say about that. <laughs> I really dug it. I thought the art in this one, it was a little more, I mean, it was still crazy. There was still a bunch of mixed media and stuff. Like, I love the hand ninja master. That's literally like two pieces of white with eyes <laughs> poking out and how he like yeah, yeah. blends into the, some oh, of the all, panels. All ne negative space. Oh, yeah. I loved it. You've, we've got Electra running through the jungle, escaped. She kills a snake and eats it, finds a movie crew that's like filming something with a friggin' lion. She rescues the lion. <laughs> this book is nuts. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the touch. Like I, not that I like, you know, the, the act of it, but that this shitty film crew cutting corners in this third world country was like drugging and starving a lion. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they and did Electra that shit back like, in the day. You Fuck know, you guys, yeah. uh, I'm taking your lion and I'm leaving. <laughs> but then like Matt mentioned, you know, each, each issue starts with that newspaper clipping page. Yeah. Right. But then after that, every issue has a splash page and every issue ends with a splash page. Yeah. And I would love just those as a series of prints. Cause one of like, the, Oh, hell yes. The, 
issue two one is just jungle plants. Yeah. And it, and it says chapter two, the ugly man. And it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Like I, th- that's all I can. Ultimately my bottom line with this series is look at it. If you never <laughs> read it, yeah, just whatever, like but look at it. I, the story, else. the story is great, but it's, it takes some effort. Oh yeah. Like yeah. this issue in particular, it. it like this issue in particular, it finally occurred to me by the time it was over that everything that Garrett is talking about, everything we're seeing from Garrett's point of view happened in the past. Yep. It happened in the past. And this is just Electra reading it off of his like mental implant. Pretty much from this gigantic cerebro looking dome. Right, helmet yeah. Yeah. In mm-hmm. the shield, like psyops bunker or whatever. Yeah. Like in his head, he's like, I caught her and we brought her into shield. Even though we saw him get blown up in the previous issue. No, no, no. He, he no, I don't. Yeah, he they he thinks he caught. No, her. no, that's that's no. We don't know that. We we don't know that. Uh, we know that they catch her, right? Because it, like they talk about how she's um, being held prisoner on a different floor. But we the last we see from Garrett's point of view is that he gets blown up real good. No, I know. What I'm saying is in this issue, after we saw him get blown up, he's sitting getting his hair put back on and stuff. Some of this is in the past. He thinks I got her. I brought her in. I'm a total badass. And like, that is not the case at all. She is putting a fantasy on you right now. She is sitting in a machine and she is reading all of shield's plans for what's going to happen next. Basically. He's not in any bandages. I think this, I think the scene, cause he's smoking. Yeah. Like, I, no, I agree. But I, think I don't the scene think this was, is actually happening at all. You know, I think the scene with Garrett getting his hair put back on by the machine is something that Garrett has recorded on his memory implant that Electra is reading. So the only thing happening in the present is Electra reading the thing in the dome helmet. Agreed. Everything else is a memory recorded by his memory implant. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But like, again, yeah. this is still, it's hard to know. They keep because, calling it the yeah, tape. Obviously not the ta- clear. Oh no, the tape picked it up. Electra you know? and Frank confused <laughs> everything. Yeah. Cause Electra and Frank Miller are both fucking with us basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. Well, issue three is called rough cut. This issue really spells out what is exactly going on. Finally, it starts to put the pieces together from everything from the initial assassination of huevos to how Electra's brain was affected by the hand and possibly why she has powers. They don't say for certain, but they're kind of leaning that way. There's something going on with their brain. We know well, that. that's, well, that's as far as they can yeah. determine with science. Before this... Like she's got weird reptile brain. Right. Before this, or, it seemed like Electra's mind was totally broken, but now we're starting to see her take control as Garrett slowly turns into this broken, unreliable narrator. Like his story is really starting to fall apart. And the only reason we know what's going on is because we have these like sort of square word boxes that I assume are his memories from the recorder in his head. So anytime you see those blue caption boxes with the like angled, the beveled corners, that's Garrett's internal monologue. Right. And that's something that you'll have to pay attention to for the remainder of the series because everybody, every character that's got an internal monologue has a different box, basically. Right. And you can- And they overlap. They like overlap overlap on each other and tumble together. 
And you could start to see Garrett's inner monologue go insane, too. <laughs> and it gets pretty good. I love this machine that they're using to put them back together. It's like Sankevich madness. It looks like a. It st- looks like a sewing machine. <laughs> tipped on, giant sewing machine yeah. tipped on its side. It's crazy. It's funny. <laughs> we start to meet other characters. It it like uh, that with great names like Jackoff. <laughs> so yeah, many- Vladimir Jackoff. I believe it's Yakov. I, I love the character <laughs> names. Uh, I, I love Colonel uh, Carlos Huevos. I love uh, Vladimir Jackoff. And yeah, and it can, they continue with goofy names like this. Yeah, this spread of Electra with all the wires in her head and stuff. Absolutely gorgeous to look at. And again, you've got our reliable narrator, Garrett, telling us like, yeah, we got her wired up like a Christmas tree, probing her body and mind. She won't be keeping her secrets. And that is not what's going on at all. <laughs> no, and something that we find out in this, uh, in this scene is that... Um, Garrett can somehow see her wired to the machine, even though he's nowhere near her. Yeah. He's starting to ask himself. She's on a completely different floor in a different room. Like they, so they have some sort of link now. They are, they are linked mentally, but he like, he's such a macho eighties kind of like action, like rogue cop star, like that. He's just like, he's not asking any questions right now. He's like, I wonder what that's about. Screw it. (laughs) Oh, you might want to pay attention to that, buddy. I love his shield boxers, by the way. Those are great. Shield boxers. Yeah. I I don't need those. I want shield boxers so bad. This is also the issue. We meet presidential candidate, Ken wind, not wind, but wind like the air, which they keep saying. Yeah. Not like, uh, not like the, toy but like the air yeah he's always got this black and white smiling face that's like a fumetti kind of so face. it's not fumetti fumetti is photo fumetti okay, is right. a photo but this is a drawing like a photocopy it does it looks it, good. it is a, a drawing bill Sinkevich did that he puts through the ringer throughout the course of this series it gets more and more like abstractly filtered yeah um from once from some scenes to another uh, but usually for the bulk of the beginning, it's just this like black and white newspaper clipping. Um, no matter where we see the character. So like right. even if we're seeing him in person in front of a campaign rally, it's just a cutout of that. Or even face. backwards sometimes. It's like the face it is was backwards that page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, reportedly, this is a self-portrait. Other people thought it was supposed to be Dan Quayle. I guess this is yeah. It even says it in the wiki for Electra yeah. Assassin. It's like this guy looks like Dan Quayle, but Bill Sienkiewicz says it's a self portrait. There you go. But Bill Sienkiewicz is a good looking dude. And in 1985, 86, I bet I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Why not? So as we see Garrett laying around, getting fat and drunk and smoking, <laughs> and like. We start to get some of Miller's libertarian bullshit coming out, where he's the bureaucratic bullshit and all the. All, he's not real crazy about gay people and drops the f word quite a bit. <laughs> you know, it was the eighties, so whatever. I mean, I I like to think that that's not Miller's point of view, but yeah, no, but I mean, I not that it's his but point he, of view. The, his bad, his he's got characters that say it, right, that, but the way he not. talks about the government and the bureaucrats and all this shit, like sure. he works for Shield, but he hates his job and he thinks everybody's stupid there. And he just wants to get out of Central America and whatnot. And he thinks he's got Electra White right where he wants her. She's planning to kill Reich. He knows some of this, doesn't know why. We start to get in these really cool sort of like four-panel spreads with, again, what look like little sections of Xeroxed art maybe plugged in when we're reading this S.H.I.E.L.D. debrief that's basically saying, 
here is everything that's going on. This is what we know about the assassination. This is, we know this character did it. We're pretty sure we're putting all this stuff together. And they have it right for the most part. They just don't know what Elektra is actually doing. Yeah, so this debrief, uh, part of this debrief is uh, one of the final scenes we see with Elektra in the previous issue. And they talk about how she closes the emergency gate in the computer room where she's reading the memories. Yeah. (laughs) And it takes them 10 minutes to break the door down. After which she proceeds to kick most of their asses, killing two. I mean, she's a full-on super ninja. No question. Yeah. and the, But the whole time, it, Garrett is, like, breaking this down, like, this is what happened, beat for beat. She was on, um, she was on a ride going the opposite direction yeah. of the merry-go-round that her target was on. And she still hit him with a crossbow bull in the neck. Like, and he's like, ninjas. And they're like, shut the fuck up. There's no <laughs> yeah. such thing as ninjas. <laughs> and it's all sort of like, well, we can take a ninja. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I saw, uh, I, so I also read, you know, I didn't looked at the wiki and it did say that the, Frank Miller did the full script method of writing yes. this comic. Yeah. And this is where that became obvious to me because this was, this is very Dark Knight Returns where it's like. Totally. Screens, you know, screen with screens with text, a picture, box of text, a picture, box, just rows and rows and rows and rows of it, pages and pages and pages of it. Very, very much. So I can see this is where Frank was like, this is how you're going to lay it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know Uh, what I mean? For, for those of you that, for those of you that don't know the difference uh, or don't know about the Marvel method, the Marvel method is this kind of legendary, way of uh script writing of of comic book creation that stan lee uh invented sure i mean we'll give him credit <laughs> invented i yeah. mean i mean yeah i i they stan lee invented a way to write comics without actually writing comics and then he took credit for it as a as an artistic achievement he's like yeah. look at what i have done anyway the marvel method is basically like the writer prepares a pretty detailed outline of the story like, this is where the story's going to go. This is how each page is broken down. Uh, and this is kind of what I see, uh, you know, in, in from beat to beat, whatever. And then the artist gets that. This is without dialogue for the most part. Sometimes the sometimes the writer will put some dialogue in if he knows, like, and at this point, the character needs to be able to say something like this. So he has to be in the right place at the right time. Right. But then the this outline goes to the artist who then creates uh, you know, 20 pages of sequential art based on this outline. And then the writer goes back with the outline and the art and then uses the art to inform the final script. So a lot of times the script is changed. Like for instance, because the artist came up with a, an idea that the writer didn't. Like Bill Sienkiewicz shows up with a little guy named Beaker that's running X Tech Ops that has a weird wheelchair <laughs> nope. with a rocket on it. <laughs> but we know from the intro to this book uh, that Frank Miller delivered full scripts to Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah. So Beaker in his rocket chair is all Frank. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> I would think some of this, like the dwarves we get into, I would feel like Sienkiewicz is like, I'm going to sneak these in here. And he was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Beaker also sits at a giant desk that's got a monitor on it that puts a giant angry face on yeah. the front of it when he's screaming at you. So. I love it. 
It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. So as we see Garrett slipping, like Garrett gets put back together, right? And he's full cyborg. Doesn't look cyborg at all. They don't draw him that way. Just looks, looks like, like a dude. dude. But as he gets like more and more under Electra's thrall, did you feel like his hair got bigger and bigger? <laughs> that's what I mean. Like it's where it gets very Simon Beasley. It's yeah. It's very. I'm not and, sure and like, if that's like, like, like a. Joseph McKean. It's very like. I'm not sure if that's a visual cue or if it's just Bill being Bill. I can't tell. Honestly, I can't tell at this point. So while Electra was held captive, she like, she gives up all this information about what she's going to do and whatnot. And we see Garrett come in to gloat and he's all like, yeah, I'm going to touch you. And yeah, yeah, take it girl and whatever. It's really creepy. And um, find out that's not going on at all. She's actually convincing him to free her so she can go and kill Reich because now that she's been in shield used her ninja powers to absorb all their plans basically and knows exactly where he's going to be. <laughs> yeah, she knows what's up. <laughs> she stabs him through the back through a wall. It's That's badass. ninja magic. Mhm. It, it was at this point like I'm not going to say I felt sorry for Garrett cuz he's a terrible person but like you can see him just slipping into pure madness. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's kind of oh, great. You know what? Something I want to praise real quick, art-wise, is um, after Garrett uh, realizes where she's going, he uh, hops a plane to go to the rally where Reich is going to meet Wind. Right. And as he's walking through the airport, you see him constantly being followed by a little old woman in a red stocking cap. Yep. If you look very, very closely, that woman is in almost every panel. Oh yeah, that he is in. Oh yeah, like I'm looking at one right now where she is so small you can only see the top of her stocking cap and her eyes poking out from behind his gigantic shoulders. It's so great, and it's like, yeah, that's Electra. And this obviously, is, this is actually the only time where we see Wind and he has a normal face, and it's because I think he's that's not Wind. That's Wind's aide. Oh, it's his aide. You're right. You're right. My bad. And he's like hanging out with someone who's obviously also Electra in disguise. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I didn't know about that either. I thought it was, but you know, I like, think it is. But why, why would she lead, lead the aid aside? Oh, well, cause she smashes. Yeah, yeah, you're, into right. The toilet, Matt, you're right. You're right. Because it's she smashes him into the, into the toilet and yep. then stabs Reich through the back. And yes. she, and he even says that was when the strangest thing happened. The local girl he was with, she looked right at me. And then she turned into the killer and winked at me. That's what I saw, sir. My word of honor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's so great. It's just like all that ninja magic bullshit. Now, some of this that we talked about, like, I'll buy, like, in the regular comics, she does ninja magic shit. Same way Daredevil does. We've seen him do that, where he confuses people and, like, people don't know that he's right there. A mind sometimes. control, though. Not mind. I mean, mind controls a whole ball of wax. But I think like the biggest thing that is setting this apart of not being in continuity is the fact that she is not afraid to just murder shield agents and murder, you know, like innocent people that work for the military and stuff like that to get oh, what yeah. she Any, wants. Anybody in her way. Yeah. Well, I, but I don't know that that I haven't read all of Frank Miller's daredevil in a, a long, long time. And I know that we talked about how in the first issue, uh, her first appearance, she doesn't kill anybody. She hits him with the back, yeah. the handle of her yeah. side, right? But I don't remember whether or not by the time we see her death at the hands of Bullseye in 181 that she isn't killing dudes. I, Here's I, the thing, Joe, real quick. In that Electra saga, where he adds pages to that first appearance of, of, of Electra, 
she is killing dudes immediately. In that very okay. same, for, for, for all these added pages, long before you ever see where she just hits dudes with her handles. So it's a really jarring so back and Miller forth. Miller added this Yeah, he went back like, and added this He stuff. went back and he's like, she's a killer. Immediately. Killing, killing, killing. It's so crazy. You got to wonder if like the bullpen was like, tone it down. We want her to be the girlfriend or whatever. And then they saw how popular he was. And they're like, all right, Frank, do whatever you want with her. And he went, all right, I'm going to fix this and do it the way I wanted to do it. But you know? uh, so Frank would, Frank would continue to tinker with Electra's origin and also Daredevil's origin for that matter. Um, in the nineties, he put out the man without, he put out man without fear by, uh, uh, with art by John Romita jr. And it's basically Daredevil year one. And it's like, it's a slightly different take. That's probably got a little bit, a little bit of that and a little bit of this that we're talking about right now. A hundred percent. And yeah. And, and makes it into a much more like continuity friendly narrative. So the stuff about her, you know, the death of her dad and, and, uh, and all that, like that's probably in there. And the fact that she's killing people way earlier than we would have thought is probably in there. Oh, I guarantee it. Let's, let's move to the, probably the easiest issue to follow with the smoothest continuity issue four: young love. This issue is completely (laughs) fucking (laughs) crazy. And it begins with the cover with like naked, like little Cupid, you know, like cherubs with guns and Garrett is caressing Electra <laughs> in an attempt to get close to wind. Electra puts her mind into a comatose 19 year old girl, Sandy, but she loses herself while trying to keep her connection to both Garrett and Sandy. When the beast tries to take her over. Meanwhile, Garrett is Electra's only hope and getting attacked by other cyborgs while trying to save Electra. This is where Garrett begins his bullet sponge phase, as I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, because right now he's full on like indestructible. Yes. Robo beast. He's been rebuilt and he's sort of the prototype for this thing that's going to come later. But this is also where we meet Fury. Fury shows up. And again, I need to talk yeah, about Fury. this scene. He's got the biggest gun in the world. <laughs> That's okay. This is, this is what I thought you meant in your notes when you said the big gun. Okay. Because I, when we got to this, I, I immediately, immediately was like, is this the gun in next wave that the general uses to try to kill himself with? I was like, <laughs> that would anger. be so freaking awesome. Maybe it was maybe. And I ran to the comic and looked, it's not. Oh, okay. It's, it's not. not. It looks more like the big giant revolver that uh, the ugly man uses. Yeah. Garrett? Yeah. Like, it looks more like that. He has a non-regulation gun that he uses that uh, his superiors are angry about. That's the giant gun that the S.H.I.E.L.D. general has in Next Wave, is that thing. But really, the only other Marvel character that's here, Fury. Fury, yeah. Uh, So before we get to the gun scene, uh, because that's coming, that comes up. It may surprise you guys to hear, but I found this issue sort of hard to follow. Oh, no shit. <laughs> I found the whole thing hard to follow, Joe. We were not so, on cocaine. That's the only Yeah, that's true. We weren't on cocaine. I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah. So, um, Garth Ennis said that this Fury, the Electra assassin Nick Fury, it was his was an inspiration for his take on the character in uh, you know, his Marvel Max books. Which is pretty great. Yeah, and I buy it. This Fury is like, he's a badass. He's in charge. 
He understands how to be the bureaucrat, but he's also Nick Fury. And so that was the only thing that kind of made me believe like, okay, maybe there is this division within S.H.I.E.L.D. that is doing some cyborg stuff they don't know about because S.H.I.E.L.D. is huge. Fury's a busy guy. And when it comes down to it, he's like, brief me on this. Tell me what's going on, you know? And that's where we meet another character shortly. But this this whole issue is just chase scene, basically. It's Elektra putting herself in somebody else's body. That goes really bad. Garrett is killing other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And while he's doing it, he's like, oh, God, they're going to blame me for this. It's like, no one's going to believe Elektra's making me do this, but I have to do it. (laughs) So uh, real quick, again, uh, before we move on too far, I'm not sure I understand the purpose of this gun that Fury is <laughs> is using. That Fury is driving. Yeah, he's a. It's a gigantic gun, like a like a. I literally think like this a is, gun on an aircraft carrier. I literally think this is just imagery of them showing. Yeah. This is Nick Fury. He's got the biggest gun at all because he's in charge, you know? But he, it also it. looks like he's firing it in the smallest possible room. Yeah, like a tiny little range or something. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. It's just, maybe it's just a light show, Joe. Maybe it just shoots maybe it's a, just light a light beam show. out yeah, for fun. Well, we're getting shoots, into like be right. the other end of this roller coaster where it's going to like go over the hill and downhill and completely crazy and loop the loop where Sienkiewicz is going nuts. Miller's going crazy with his storytelling and it's, getting hard to tell what is real at all. So, and keep in mind, Garrett's going nuts when he's seeing this. So when he walked in, maybe none of that's real. Maybe he's talking to Nick Fury, but he sees this crazy shit going on. Nah, it's real. I, I, it's real. I, I can't I don't tell. think Garrett's going as crazy as you think. I think that he's, I think he understands that something might be steering him a little bit. Like he's not in full control of his faculties, but when I think, he's talking to Nick Fury, I think everything he sees in the room with Nick Fury is actually it. I think he's starting to go totally nuts because he meets wind in this, and that's when he starts to smell the milk. And we get well, the, he smells the milk, yeah. We get the rotten mayonnaise that he starts talking about, and he, like he goes nuts after that. He figures out, like, oh shit, I gotta go save Electra. We're connected. Something's going on with this girl that she put her body in. The beast is now taking over that girl. He goes on this massive chase to, and like ends up finding out that Wynn's own people are also brainwashed by the beast and ninjas, I guess, even though they just look like normal people, <laughs> which has to be true because he's a cyborg and he's having trouble fighting this guy, right? So this is real, right? Brad is who I'm talking about. His buddy? No, it, Brad was like one of Wynn's people who turns out to be a ninja. Oh, they're ninjas. Yeah. All of the people that work ninjas. for Wind are hand ninjas. Yeah, they're but they don't nin- look yeah, like it at all. They just look like normal no. people. Well, yeah, they're in plain clothes. So, like, they're dressed like people. Or they got Psylocke body swapped. They look like old grocers, though. I think they got Psylocke. <laughs> I think they've been, like, body swapped through ninja magic and stuff, just like what Elektra's doing. I mean, I don't know, because when Elektra sees them in the crowd and stuff, she's like ninja. Well, because like, she's got the magic. She can do that. But, but she identifies it as a ninja, not as an innocent person whose life has been stolen. Well, I don't like, think she cares about that. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, uh, that, that, I guess that doesn't really matter so much. Either they're, either they're just ninjas in disguise or they're real people who have been taken over by ninjas. Yeah, I think they are real people who have been body swapped just like Elektra's body swapped Sandy. 
and the beast helps them do this with the magic and the milk and all this. And that's why she's not so, as great at it. Let's talk about Sandy for a minute because it this is where things got super friggin' confusing for me. Yeah. Electra uses Sandy. Electra puts her mind in Sandy's body. Right. Because she needs to use Sandy to get close to wind. Right. She needs a disguise, basically. She needs a human suit. Uh, I don't know exactly where her body is during all this. I think maybe they mention it, but I forgot. She's in the they hospital. She's, explaining it. She becomes Sandy. And so she's in the hospital. Well, okay, that's that's where I think, and that's, and that's what dawned on me later. Yes, you're right. Thank you. Um, that's what dawned on me much later after I read her wiki page. She makes people think. Yes. Her body is Sandy in the hospital. Right. She, Electra's physical body is in the hospital. She puts her brain in Sandy. Sandy. That's what I'm talking about. Like the other ninjas yeah. do to like Brad. Brad's probably right, just right, right. some dude. Well, but no, no, no. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean that Electra has parked her body in a hospital bed. Her meaning Electra. Her real body. Yeah. And then she is making people think this is Sandy. Meanwhile, she's actually driving Sandy's she, real body. Yeah, just Psylocke and yeah, yes. it's, a, it's the Psylocke body swap is all it is. The hand yeah, is yeah. that too. And because uh, at the end of this issue, when all the chase is over, we find out they oh, grab Sandy's in, body from the hospital. No, no. Electra is in Sandy's body. It is in the car. The beast is taking over Sandy's body and she needs Garrett to go get Sandy to get her a far enough away from the beast's influence that she can snap back into her own body, basically. Because as she gets too close, the beast can influence her, right? So you think that, okay, so this is where I was, this is another way I was confused because if Sandy's body's in the limo, Electra snaps back to her own body and then makes it all the way to where the chase ends? Quite possibly. To save Garrett from drowning. Quite well. See, that's awesome not super ninja, baby. Yeah, it's not real clear because you see her head like Sankevich is kind of doing this ghostly thing where she's floating above I her. I mean, yeah, that's mind swap stuff. Yeah, mind swap, mind injury. swap. But then I agree, her Electra's body comes jumping into the river. It's to suddenly save there. It's there. Yeah, like she's there in physical form. So I don't know if she ninja ran there or it's not important. Oh yeah, because it's like oh, because Electra's body is dying in the hospital. Yes. Yeah, it's not yeah, real they clear. Have the, they have the the bar across Sandy's face that's right. Electra's eyes. So it's like floating over Sandy's body. So like, and then when they're in the hospital, they're like, count, you know, count the time she's dead. We've lost her. Yeah. Cause her body dies. Yeah. And it's like, I need, she, I need to get her away so I can snap back into Sandy's body, but it's not, so it isn't real clear. So the only thing that I can but, think is maybe she is Electra's body making everyone think she looks like Sandy. In which case, why do you why? need Sandy at all? Why the <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing, right, is that it, if Electra's body is what's in the hospital... It's very confusing. Electra's body's the one that dies. I, Electra's body dies. I don't disagree. And it looks like it, that's it, what's it, happening. I'm confused. I, I'm confused, and that's, I don't think we point. solved it. That's the point of the, the whole series, I, just to be confused. I don't just have an answer. Just as confused as Garrett is, just as confused as Broken Electra is. Oh, uh, hold on. Broken. Wait, wait. Yeah, it's true. Oh, okay. It's, so it says, all right, it's, all right, here's what it says. Here's what it says. It says, they think Sandy's dead. Sandy, a.k.a. Electra. 
And Garrett's like, oh no, Sandy's dead. And Electra's internal monologue, inter- uh, talking to Garrett now in her voice through their mind link. I'm doing what I must, Garrett. Sandy sleeps a moment from death. Yeah. But she must die alone. So she's making Sandy live out this like happy life. And then in the, in the happy memory, it ends with Electra murdering her, killing Sandy. Yes. It still doesn't make any sense as to the body swap or if it's, she's just making everyone let's think just, she's her. We, we, let's just move on. We're, and we're not yeah. going to make sense. But, but yes, because then this is like, we're not going to get Garrett, there. Guys. Garrett, the beast is, the beast is close. They hold me in the car. Yeah. And it's just like, well, fuck, if Electra's in the car, then what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so the car goes and the. <laughs> Garrett is also seen his ghost, his partner, the ghost of his partner. Yep. Is he starting is seeing, to appear to him. He is hallucinating, yes. Yeah. Well, he might be, or there's cybernetic stuff going on because we it's, know. It's all, yeah, it's just all over the In place, the next man. issue, they're rebuilding his partner. So, don't know. But maybe, does his partner have psychic stuff? I don't maybe, know. Maybe. I mean, maybe cybernetic telepathy. We don't know. I mean, I can't it's cybernetic to telepathy. McBride, guys, it's time to get to McBride. Uh, yeah. Tune in next week to hear the exciting conclusion of our adventure into Electra Assassin, but don't expect us to still understand what's going on at all. Yeah, I, it doesn't get any Not clearer even from here, little. folks. Breaker <laughs> 19 is a snake bite. You got a copy in that comics convoy coming in next week. We might want to stop these trucks on the road to check out this shipment, Joe. Next week, Stephanie Phillips. And Flaviano's Grim number one gets the pen and ink treatment, and boom. If you want to read The Dark Knight Returns, we were just talking about it. And the not-so-legendary sequel, The Dark Knight Strikes Again, DC has a 2024 Absolute Edition just for you. Bill Willingham's Fire and Ice gets a Tigra one-shot at Dynamite. I know you're excited for that one. Not to be confused with Tigra from the Thundercats. Not at all. Spider-Punk is back in his own series. Venom gets a what-if. And the women of Marvel get a one-shot just in time for Women's History Month at Marvel. And no new Comics Day Hall would be complete without the 10th volume of Cherry Magic. 30 years of virginity can make you a wizard? Question mark? Joe Patrick. Any of these titles make your must-read pick for next new Comic Day, February 28th. Oh, 10-4, good buddy. Uh, this is Big Shoots out there on the road. And my pick for next week is Flash number six from DC Comics, written by Cy Spurrier with art by Mike Diodato Jr. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. After the shocking ending of last issue, Wally West's world has been completely upended. And as he quite literally is putting the pieces together, the stillness's attempts to reach out to a higher power are answered. Lace up your boots as the first arc of the critically acclaimed new era for the Scarlet Speedster concludes. Oh, you're going to make me catch so, up. Huh? <laughs> yeah, this is the end of the first arc of The Flash, and it's pretty good. Okay. We could talk about how it's we feel. This will be weird. Good. This will be good. We'll talk about how we Speaking feel. Speaking of not really knowing what's going on, you know, it's the Flash. I'll give you that. My pick for next week is Savage Sword of Conan, number one from Titan. It's 80 pages for $6.99. That is a steal. This is written by John Arcudi. Have not heard that name in a little while. Love that guy. Yeah. With art by Max von Fafner. 
distant relative of Max von Sydow. I don't know if you knew that. So It's fun. true. That's fun. Here's your solicit. The Savage Sword of Conan is back from Heroic Signatures and Titan Comics. I don't know what Heroic Signatures is, but they sound like real heroes. Like it must doing- be like the name of the imprint or the the rights holders, if you will. They sound like they're doing the hard work, like our first responders. Yeah, they are. They're cutting the checks. Featuring a new Conan epic from John Arcudi and Max von Fafner, the rousing return of Solomon Kane, written and drawn by Patrick Zercher, an electric prose story. Electric, yes. An electric prose story from Jim Zub, spectacular art pinups, and more. The Savage Sword of Conan, issue one, heralds a new era for adrenaline-fueled adventure. So... Savage Sword of Conan originally was a magazine back in the 70s. It did not have to conform to the comics code, so Mm -hmm. it could get a little risque and show violence they couldn't in most comics at the time. It sounds like Titan is sort of bringing it back to its anthology roots here and doing a a couple stories. I'm mainly excited because I really like Arcudi, and I haven't read anything that guy's written in a while. He worked on I like Arcudi, too. BPRD. Uh, Solomon Kane. Solomon Kane. Solomon Kane, he is... Not like contemporary with Conan, right? No, he's no, like no, 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 no. He's a Puritan that like hunts. So he's from like Pilgrim Times or Yeah, later, he hunts demons and of. devils and stuff. Also yeah, a yeah. Robert E. Howard character, though. Oh, yeah, of course, of yeah. course. I That I knew, but like they're not. The only time they've ever crossed over is probably in one of those dumb Marvel, like Maybe. Savage yeah. fill in the blank books. Yeah, he didn't make it on the Savage Avengers team, but I know they were kicking him around. <laughs> him out there. I do love Arcudi though. He worked on a bunch of BPRD. He worked on some, like, he's been all over at Dark Horse for a long time. Grew up, did some great alien stuff. He even did some really good Legends of the Dark Knight stuff at DC a while ago. So happy yeah. to see him again. Uh, the, some savvy assistant manager at the High V in Shenandoah, Iowa would stock the uh, magazine rack with Savage Sword of Conan uh, where I would stand uh, while my, gr- my parents grocery shopped. I probably shouldn't have been looking at it. <laughs> Ah. In uh, you know, you turned, as a as a fresh faced young lad of of thirteen, fourteen years old, you turned out fine. But, Give me a break. Hey, thirteen, fourteen. Uh, you know got, what I was looking at? Thirteen, fourteen. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, look, that guy got away with something because that book was on the bottom shelf where the kids could get at it because it was a comic book. You are not a kid at fourteen, son. I got news for you. Come on, man. Okay. I lost uh, my yes, virginity. I was young and impressionable. <laughs> the THN must read trade for next week is Valiant Classics Collecting Ninjak the Seventh Dragon. It's a trade paperback from Valiant Comics or Valiant Entertainment, whatever we're calling them these days. It's 272 pages for $29.99. It's written by Mark Moretti and Various with art by Joe Casada and Various. And here's your solicit. Representing the complete classic adventures of Valiant's slickest super spy from his deadly debut and into the pages of his own smash hit series. Colin King, sophisticated British playboy by day, elite super spy by night. As Ninjak, King will put his brilliant mind and lethal training in the world's most dangerous fighting techniques to the test facing down covert agents and criminal cartels including a globe-spanning mission against his greatest nemesis, the WebNet Terror Network and its villainous mastermind, Dr. Silk. Featuring all-time classic contributions from comics all-stars, including Joe Quesada, you know him, you love him, Mark Moretti, you probably haven't heard of him, but he wrote Eternal Warrior, (laughs) Don Perlin, who did Captain America, he's a big Marvel name back in the day, Kevin Van Hook, who did Bloodshot, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, we know those clowns, and... More. This collects Ninjak, 1994, numbers one through eight, 
Bloodshot, 1993, number six and seven, and Secret Weapons, also from 1993, issue number five. The first appearances of Ninjak and the first eight issues of his ongoing. Obviously, we picked this to stick with our ninja theme. It makes perfect sense. Clearly, yeah, we're, we're rolling with something here. Also, some very young, formative Joe Casada art, and it's still great. He was fantastic. Yeah. Even back then, he was so good. He was very good. And I've never read, my, my exposure to original Valiant is pretty limited. I've read some things here and there. I've never read Ninjak. I don't know if it's any good. I don't know if people really They're remember fun. it fondly. I own it. I own but all these because it was Casada. I think it's cool that Valiant is like doing the, these kind of like affordable archives, so to speak. Yeah, they're fun. And I, I own all these because I was a Casada maniac. I love his art. They were a lot of fun. You might not spend your spare time on the TV talking to the Comics Convoys like we do, so be sure to pre-order these picks before heading out to the comic shop, especially if you want to read along with us. We're going to review these on our new comic show. Speaking of which, we got two back-to-back Slack issue shows because of a shortened month. So, our picks from this week, watch for a special YouTube-exclusive review. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be something because our picks are... It's going to be something going to be unusual let's not guarantee anything awesome let's guarantee something (laughs) that is it for THN 731 next time it's part two of our slack issues Electra assassin read we'll be back to our regular schedule in March after our leap year celebrations and if you can't get enough of our magic ninja THN stuff Join us for the THN Gang Hang Saturdays at 11 o'clock Central. Check our Discord for details. Joe, tell them what else they can do on the Discord. You can mourn the passing of actor Paul Diamato, known for his role as Tim Dr. Hook McCracken in the legendary hockey film Slapshot, who was also John Byrne's inspiration for Wolverine's physical appearance in the comics. It's right there. You, you watch that movie? Yeah, yeah you can, it's true. It's like Wolverine with a hockey stick. Yeah. Or maybe you just want to discuss our question of the week. In honor of this week's Slack Issues review of Electra Assassin, take a drink every time we mention it. Who are your favorite fictional femme fatales? We used to have a guy that used to pronounce it femme fatales. Yep. In the comic shop. Can't prove that it's not pronounced that way. Can you? Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure we prove it. Please keep your question of the week suggestions coming and sign up for our Discord with the link at twoeditnerd.com slash Discord. Once you get in, you can post about any of our segments there or send an MP3 submission for the comic pushers, ask a nerd, or whatever to twoeditnerd at gmail.com. Hey, we'll put you on the show. And hey, whether you whether you want to be or not. We are answering the questions of the week on the Gang Hang now, too. It's fun. That's right. You can now hear our answers yeah. to the question of the week. In the gang, as well as everybody else that comes to participate. If you're new to the show and you'd rather fill your ears with rotten mayonnaise than listen to any more, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at 200nerd.com. THN is a listener-supported podcast. It wouldn't be possible without the generosity of donors like our patron, longtime listener, Chris, the British guy. But... He pays in weird foreign money, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't even know what a pound is. Like, what is that food? What are we talking about here? It's ridiculous. Sterling? What is it? Made out of silver? 
Maybe if, it is. If you like what you hear every week, like Chris, who puts up with our British racism. What a guy, I swear. It's easy to support this show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two-headed nerd. Matt, I keep telling you, it's impossible to be Brit- uh, racist against British people. <laughs> Tell that to those limey bastiches across the pond. <laughs> They can get Brexited for all I care. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the coolest kid we know, John Tverdick's son, Hugo Tverdick, who celebrated an entire decade of life this week. Word to you, Hugo. I like to think that he's been listening to us the entire time because he's gifted. It's too bad that we stopped bleeping everything. And, you know, what can you do? He doesn't care. I've heard his dad <laughs> nah, in front he of doesn't him a billion care. times. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just use their comic shop owner magic to swap your body into a comatose victim only to kill you later. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. 